Welcome everyone to the brand new edition of the Multimedia Men Podcast Network, the new show Fear and Loathing in Cinema. I'm Brian Kluger and I am joined by the man who lives in Austin, Texas, who we're going to go flying over a dinosaur inhabited island together. Dan Moran, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I have my parasailing all ready to go so we can look at the beautiful hills it seems very safe so we're gonna go on this journey together strapped to each other's backs watching jurassic park 3. <laughs> yes we are yes this new this brand new show that we started a couple weeks ago here on the podcast network fear and loathing in cinema where we take a movie that just they did not been too well received back in the day and now we're talking about it revisiting is it good is it bad i'm just excited about this our first episode our inaugural first episode last time was speed Two cruise control and we had such a fun time with that jason patrick sandra bullock willem defoe the legend <laughs> <laughs> yes we had a great time doing speed Two, so we figured why not follow it up by adding the third installment of a series that may or may not have more problems than Speed 2. Right, right. So I feel like if we did the second movie, now we're doing the third movie, we have to do a fourth movie. Maybe, hint, hint, Aliens 4, yo. Oh, and that, I mean, it's the, only, it's the only thing that makes sense. It, it is. Always mess with their minds. So we're going to be, our, our, our main event today is Jurassic Park 3. It, we're very excited to talk about it. First, you know, we, we haven't been done this for a couple weeks. Just want to say uh, we miss you all. Um, yeah, just been taking a little vacation recently. Haven't done a podcast, I believe, since the last time, the last Fear and Loathing in Cinema. So it's a good return to form. Dan, how are you? Doing good. Trying to find, as usual, movies to watch. Find some good news. <laughs> in the middle of all the pain. Uh, I know yesterday they announced they're filming John Wick 4 and 5 back to back. So that was a bright spot. And then I uh, rewatched Jurassic Park 3 again last night. So I could be a, an expert, an expert in all things Jurassic Park 3. But other than that, you know, just looking forward to when we can get back out in the normal world and start seeing these movies in a theater. In a theater. I agree. Uh, luckily, you know, a lot of the film festivals some of them, which Dan and I have attended in person together. There is a big one called Fantasia Film Fest, which is like our favorite film festival, Fantastic Fest in Austin, but it is on a scale much grande, much bigger than Fantastic Fest. And it's doing it virtual this year. So we got press credentials and hopefully Dan and I and a few other of the Boomstick Comics writers will be reviewing some of the genre movies Hopefully some of them have dinosaurs in them. So some new movies coming up. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about them. But first, uh, yeah, dinosaurs, man. Did I, We haven't talked about it, but I mean, I know we talked a little bit about before when our first episode where you talked about Jurassic Park, but is there something about dinosaurs or specifically dinosaurs in movies that just gets you? I mean, it's what made me the quote unquote movie nerd I am. I think we talked about it in the first one. I saw Jurassic Park. It was the first like PG-13, big budget movie that I was allowed to see that my mom thought might not be good enough for me. And I was blown away. And for years after, it was dinosaurs, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Reenact these dinosaur things. I need dinosaurs for this, dinosaurs for that. But dinosaurs just speak. I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of young girls out there that like dinosaurs too. But I think dinosaurs just speak to young boys regardless of whether or not it has to do with Jurassic Park for some reason, that anything with dinosaurs I'm just attracted to. Like my son has, ne my son is four, about to turn five. He's never seen Jurassic Park. He has so much dinosaur crap in his room that dinosaurs, I don't know if it's because they're scary with sharp teeth, they look like lizards, but dragons, or the fact that they used to be real. And maybe that's just like built into the fascination. But yeah, dinosaurs... You put dinosaurs in a movie and, and I am already, I'm already at like, if I was a Rotten Tomatoes grader, I'm already giving it 30 points. Are there dinosaurs in it? I'm going to throw it. 30 points. Add it on. <laughs> That's wonderful. So does that mean you're a fan of Tammy and the T-Rex? <laughs> no, but I did watch Jurassic Pastor. 
or Velocipaster? <laughs> yeah, Velocipaster. <laughs> if, if any of you, I mean, listen, listen to our breakdown of Jurassic Park 3, watch Jurassic Park 3, et cetera. But if you guys just want a trippy night, Velocipaster is just the title alone and the poster alone and the key art for Velocipaster should go in like the Guggenheim Museum. That's just like the biggest work of art I've seen in so long. It makes no sense. That's too funny. So have you, have you ever seen Tammy and the T-Rex? I don't know. So Tammy and the T-Rex is an 80s movie um, with, I believe, Denise Richards and Paul Walker. And it's a movie that is basically about a girl with her relationship with an actual T-Rex in modern day. And so there was an X-rated cut of this movie that was really violent and bloody, but they changed it before it was released and made it a romantic comedy. But recently, uh, I believe Vinegar Syndrome put it out on 4K and released the X-rated cut. <laughs> so I think this movie's right up your alley. I am looking at a poster of it right now. I have never seen this and I just found out it's on Shudder. Yes. Showtime, Amazon Prime. Um, yes. So when we're done with it, if we could speed this up. <laughs> I, got, I got some viewing to do this afternoon because this looks delightful. It's Denise Richards, right? I'm, I'm correct Denise on Richards, that. Yeah. Yes. All the people you mentioned. 1994. Yep. PG-13. So wow. You know, PG-13 was the romantic comedy, but there is like an X-rated cut of the movie. All right, so right here. Tammy and the T-Rex gore cut trailer. Yeah, there you go. They couldn't show you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, this, is worth it. This, was worth, this podcast teaching me about this was worth it alone. Oh, good, good. Tammy and the T-Rex. If we ever get Denise Richards on the podcast, that's all we're talking about. <laughs> that and um, the world is not enough. Yes, correct. So, uh, wonderful. I'm glad we, I can introduce Tammy and the T-Rex with you. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear your review oh. on it. We'll talk about it later. But, uh, yeah, Jurassic Park 3. Let's get into this. Jurassic Park 3. We're just going to hop right into this. This movie came out, you know, right around this time, 19 years ago. Uh, July 18th, 2001. Uh, the movie was directed by Joe Johnston, who, you know, did stuff like Jumanji, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, and most recently, Captain America, The First Avenger. Uh, he did October Sky, but he got his start as a big visual effects artist and art director for the original um, Star Wars movies. and. Uh, Indiana Jones movies, as well as Batteries Not Included and Always. So he, Spielberg, if you've ever watched documentaries or have ever studied Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, going through his Hollywood uh, career, had a close group of friends of filmmakers. Like they kind of like, it was kind of like a fraternity of friends where they would visit each other on everybody's set and you know just help each other out it was kind of a cool thing and so with robert zemeckis and george lucas and spielberg even john landis at one point uh joe johnston was part of that uh little clique and when spielberg directed jurassic park joe was like hey i want to be part of this so Jurassic park 2 or i should say the lost world jurassic park part two came out um spielberg wanted to direct that and do his thing there and then part three spielberg told joe hey it's all yours take it don't do what i did go from there and then you had you there we're going to talk about this a little bit later uh the script went through many iterations many writers but it ended up crazy enough being written by one of main writers alexander payne who yes. directed Election, one of the best movies ever made with Matthew Broderick, uh, about Schmidt, Sideways, and Nebraska, and Downsizing. Dude wrote Jurassic Park 3. Holy shit. Yeah, Did it makes that, no sense. Yeah. Looking, if you look at Alexander Payne's filmography, or the things that he's been involved in, it makes zero sense that he wrote this movie or punched it up or whatever he did with it. It's, it, it's incredible to me because nothing that he's works on fits this bill. And I know people got to eat. 
So he went and got that check, and I'm sure he worked his tail off to try to make this movie into something. But I, I, it, it shocked me that he was involved. Yeah, no, it's crazy to, to see where that came from. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, just like how many writers and how that happened. And then, you know, Spielberg and John Williams, the, the mojo maker of all of the music for Spielberg movies and Lucas films, you know, he did the Jurassic Park score, but uh, John Williams recommended composer Don Davis, who did his mostly famous for doing all the music for the Matrix movies. And so Don Davis did the music for this. Uh, and then the cinematographer, of course, was Shelley Johnson, um, which is pretty, pretty cool. Who is, um, who's actually doing the cinematography for the new Bill and Ted movie, which yeah. is kind of cool. But before Jurassic Park 3, the ones that she did was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of Ooze. Which... <laughs> Now that you say that, that's going on the list. I'm just yes. telling you, for us to review, that is on the list. Yes, that is. So the, the movie opened up to about um, $50 million opening. It was on a budget of about $100 million, and it made worldwide about $360-ish million, making it the lowest uh, box office return for a Jurassic Park movie. So I guess people were just kind of tired with it. You know, it was like, oh, God, another dinosaur movie. This is ridiculous. And the movie, both in a bad way and a good way, is a quick, like, 90 minutes, like maybe 87 minutes without oh, it. When I yes. hit play on it and I saw the little tracker along the bottom and saw how short it was, I was shocked because even back then, especially for these types of movies, big budget movies in the um, 90s, early 2000s, they had no sense of that sort of timing. And for a movie like this, with the money they put into it, I assumed it was going to be two hours and 10 minutes. Right. So yeah, it was the length. The length was a shock. And I think that the length played into the quality of the film, which I'm sure we're about to go into, um, how they kind of edited and spliced this thing together to turn it into a movie that came out. But it always surprised me that it wasn't successful financially because this was before you had the Rotten Tomatoes or the critics or people really online that would just trash a movie and really hurt that second, third, fourth weekend of the box office. Because um, this movie was marketed to death. I remember the posters with the three claws. Yes. I feel yes. like they were everywhere. They were on Coke bottles. They were everywhere. This movie was marketed unbelievable. And in, in it's just, it permeated everything for that spring into summer when it came out. So it surprised me that it bombed that bad. Um, relatively speaking, it's not a bomb to make $350 million. But... In Jurassic Park terms, it's that's terrible. Right. No, I mean the the movie made its money back. The movie was not considered a flop, but con being with the um, the past two movies, yes. Mm -hmm. So, but you took away a lot of people. But yeah, let, let's talk about. So, in a sentence or two, Dan, mm -hmm. does Jurassic Park three hold up from nineteen years ago? As far as watchability goes, it absolutely holds up. It's a quick 90-minute romp, if you will, of just one constant chase from one type of dinosaur. There's no slowing down. There's not a whole lot of plot. So I think if you want to watch a quick 90 minutes of dinosaurs chasing people, this movie has it in abundance. There's nothing. There's no more higher learning in this movie. It is run away from scary dinosaur for 90 minutes. Right. I, I do think, uh, I, I agree with you. The movie Jurassic Park 3 holds up in a way that it's kind of like a, a 1950s, 1960s uh, B movie like The Blob, but instead of The Blob, it's a dinosaur where it's really cheesy, really stupid one-liners and nothing fucking makes sense at all. And but they had a huge budget and it, it kind of plays out like that where like Dan said, it is like basically action and it's running away from different dinosaurs and then abruptly ends like those old fifties B movies, like the blob where it's just like, Oh, 
you know, where we escaped kind of sentimental music credits fade to black type of thing. And it's like, what? <laughs> what happened? The movie kind of starts with a cold open and then it ends with a cold ending. Like there's not yeah. really a whole lot of resolution. They don't worry about anything that you would think would go into a movie like this with dinosaurs on, a, on an island chasing people. It's just like, hey, you know what? We're off that island. Anyway, directed by Joe Johnston. You're like, oh, okay. Right, right. And so uh, if you forgot, brief synopsis of Jurassic Park 3. So I guess the original main character of Jurassic Park, Dr. Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill, is just, you know, giving lectures about dinosaurs and he is asked to go back to a dinosaur and he refuses and he's kidnapped and they go. So uh, I guess a couple present themselves as billionaires who want to go study the island or do a flyby vacation, but they're actually looking for their little boy who's been stranded for eight weeks on the island to go rescue him. Search and rescue, that's it. Things don't go as planned. Hence Jurassic Park 3. That's basically it. There's really not any side plot really it's oh. just kind of like straightforward search and rescue start to there's, finish <laughs> there's lots of little dumb things in the in the all along the way but it is legitimately we're going to trick you into getting on this island to find our son and get off the island and that's that's it there's no there's nothing else to it really <laughs> right so watching this you know again as from the two years ago when I watched it yet again with the 4K release. Dan, did you, did you think of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, at the start of this movie when it's kind of, <laughs> you know, in the, at the, when there's like the cold open and It's Always Sunny in the Philadelphia and then the credits and it says like the gang does this. They should have done that with Jurassic Park 3 when Dr. Alan Grant says, I'm never going back to the island. And then it's like the gang goes to the dinosaur island. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happens. It's the, the opening, the opening altogether, just I had completely forgotten about it. And the fact that there was a, a company called Dinosaur, S-O-A-R, <laughs> where their business model was to get in a speedboat and parasail along the coast of a dinosaur-infested island with children and random tourists just so they could look onto the island. I mean, just from maybe this is an attorney perspective, but the insurance and the permits and being allowed to go near that island seemed so lax. But at the same time, it made sense because I could totally buy a company being like, oh, we got a boat. We'll just slap a dinosaur face on it and uh, drive by this island and get a bunch of idiots to pay us money to get up on a hang glider or something. Well, it, it kind of begs the question is that like since they had like their own branding and it looks like it wasn't a brand new boat and stuff like that, how many times have they done this and why have they never gotten attacked before? Because it seemed like all was hunky-dory and then this one opening scene is like, holy shit, everybody died. <laughs> and I know we're not trying to nitpick every part of this movie, but also... They get, he gets attacked in fog because they don't want to blow that budget early showing you a dinosaur. But the driver of the boat gets attacked in fog while the boy and his stepdad or something are flying on the parasol. So they're looking down in the fog and the boat kind of jerks around and then everyone on the boat's dead. That boat was going about 40 miles an hour towards an outcropping of rocks prior to them being attacked by dinosaurs. This guy was already a terrible boat pilot. <laughs> number one number two i'm not sure anything bad would happen to the people on the parachute if that boat hit the rocks because they're already on a parachute on a string they just float down right that's what that's what i thought too i was like wait wouldn't they just you know float down to the water <laughs> yeah it's, so anyway the, the to get us into this movie that cold opening had about a million obnoxious questions but i went with it because it made me smile Frankly, I smiled. I was like, this is so dumb, but I love it. Right. And so we are transferred to the mainland and we see Dr. Alan Grant and a returning familiar face, Dr. Ellie Sattler. Thank goodness Laura Dern's in this. Yes. 
I love Laura Dern so much. Uh, <laughs> she is amazing, but they used her horribly. So she had made movies with a bunch of people who were making this Jurassic Park 3, so they wanted to put a little part in for her. But what the fuck? We wanted to see uh, Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler together, and Joe Johnson, the director, was like, I don't believe they would be a couple. I'm like, what? They weren't really a couple in the first movie. I mean, yes, they were, but they never like kissed or hugged or embraced. They were just, you know, the thing is like, why? And then you had her being a stay-at-home mom. Like, this doesn't make sense from her character as a badass in the first one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that later in the topics, but I agree with you on that. But at the same time, I don't know if they would be together. It's tough to tame a dinosaur man. Well, he didn't want to go back. He's like, I hate dinosaurs. <laughs> he hates them so much that all he does is hang out in Montana, digging them up and giving lectures about them every single day and doing Q&As because he knows he'll be asked about the original Jurassic Park. Like that was his characterization of, I hate that island. I never want to go back or talk about it. But every action he did in the first 10 minutes of the movie was promoting the fact he did everything. Right, right. Yeah. Again, poor crazy script writing so everybody's on the island there's a big um as, as the plane is landing uh tia leone just starts yelling in a microphone <laughs> everywhere and then her ex-husband william h macy starts yelling at her not to yell and he's just like what and then the big bad dinosaur shows up a spinosaurus which is a real dinosaur um and there are have you read the conspiracy theories about this movie in the Spinosaurus. No. Okay. Lay them out for me. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. So there's two of them. Uh, (laughs) In the movie, the, the little biplane lands and they're searching for the kid and they go out in the forest and they come running back because the Spinosaurus is attacking them. And then the plane is taking off and what looks like, uh, it kills this guy that was with them. But I guess one of the conspiracy theories is that the plane clips the Spinosaurus and it, the Spinosaurus only starts attacking them and chasing them throughout the whole movie because it hit it. Hit it. So the plane hit the Spinosaurus, so it's out for revenge. The other conspiracy theory is that the plane actually killed the dinosaur and that its mate is out for revenge for killing its mate. So okay. I present that to you, Dan. All right, let me, let me break these down one at a time. First one, we're going to get to it when we talk raptors, but these dinosaurs having, like, the ability to remember someone who gave them, like, a dirty, shitty look earlier in the movie, like, across <laughs> the river, and they're like, you know what? I'm a wild animal, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to hunt you down and murder you is some of the dumbest parts of these movies. Second one, though, I like it. She's out for revenge. You killed her husband. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not messing with you at all. Like, we're done with this. I'm going to kill everyone flying that plane. Also puts a lot of knowledge on her, though, because wouldn't she just attack the plane? But <laughs> well, what, are, what are you going to do? I, li- I like the second one. I'm with the second conspiracy. The first one, I just, oh, we're going we're gonna to do a raptor breakdown soon, people. You just hang on. Yes, we will. And you got to think that the hit TV show Lost drew its inspiration for a smoke monster plane attack from Jurassic Park 3. Yes. So after, after that happens and they crash the plane by clipping the Spinosaurus, they get stuck in the land or in the tree, of course. Um, and they're in that tree and the Spinosaurus comes and it's pretty poor puppet at that point, I know they like to do practical effects, but that puppet like raising its head back and forth looking like it was a Disney ride was a little disappointing. Um, but they get out of it and they run away. And this was one of the parts where I watched this on this, um, my, who knows, fourth or fifth time go around. But last night when I watched it, I realized that when they come up on the T-Rex, when Alan Grant runs away and comes up on the T-Rex and you're like, oh, our old friend, the T-Rex. I'm so excited to see the T-Rex. And they go out of their way to have a mono mono battle between the Spinosaurus and the T-Rex and have the Spinosaurus just destroy the T-Rex. All I saw from that point now with my cynical mind was, oh, this is marketing. This is, we need the Spinosaurus to be the scariest thing. We need to establish it's the scariest thing on the island. But I miss the T-Rex. I wish this movie was just the T-Rex still. They just kept bumping into T-Rexes, but... 
I understand you got to make it bigger, badder, and bolder, but that battle between the Spinosaurus and the T-Rex hurt me at this age. I can't speak for what I did in 2001. I was probably like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, they, they killed my friend. Like, I was team T-Rex. No, for, for sure. Me too. A T-Rex is cooler looking, bat, more badass. Like, a, no, for sure. That did happen. So they're, they're on the way to look out. And, you know, we said there's no side plot, but I guess if there was a side plot, it is that Dr. Alan Grant has a theory that velociraptors can uh, actually talk with each other and not like just make sounds, but actually have full on conversations like humans can. Yeah. So as they're trying to look for this kid, they notice that something, and I guess for some reason, Dr. Alan Grant can fully understand it, like fluently, like what they're saying. And so they actually, as they're looking, they actually find the parachute and the video camera the kid was using. And after being there eight weeks, this video camera still works, which is wonderful. Marketing, uh, that's yeah, called mar advertising right there. That's organic advertising. They were like Panasonic. Still yep. turns on, still works. Yes, yes, for sure. And so they find the kid living in a tree like Robinson Crusoe, which was like an original script idea where they wanted Dr. Alan Grant to be living in a tree like Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> trying to study dinosaurs still. <laughs> which, to be frank, would have been cool. Right? And they, they, they decided against it because, like, after the events of the first film, he didn't want to have anything to do with dinosaurs to PTSD. But then they make his, then they introduce him, digging up dinosaurs, talking about dinosaurs. Right. Teaching a kid about dinosaurs, but he well, hates them. Right? And so, yeah, even in his lecture, he's like, now who has any questions? He's like, don't ask me about the first movie. I wasn't a part of the second movie. <laughs> And everybody lowers their hands. It's pretty great. So they find the kid and then it's just like kind of them trying to get to safety again and get rescued. And then that, that's basically the movie for the next, you know, 45 minutes. They're on the run from, they're on the run from two enemies, the, the Spinosaurus they keep bumping into, um, who's just hell bent on revenge, trying to eat things. And then also there is Dr. Alan Grant's buddy, uh, Billy. Completely blanked on his name. What was his name? B Billy? Is it Billy? Sure. Billy. The, Billy the one who stole the eggs, right? Yes. So yeah. Billy, they found a raptor nest at one point, and Billy steals the eggs for funding for his Montana raptor dig. And these eggs are in a little satchel, like almost like an igloo cooler around his shoulder. And the raptors are so smart and talk to each other so much that they know Billy took those eggs and are now hunting Billy and the other humans. So we got the Spinosaurus and the Raptors simultaneously hunting six characters who are just trying to get to the coast for right. an hour. Yeah, for an hour. And so what do you think about these rap? What, what, what's your, what's your thinking about the, the Raptor uh, situation in this movie? Because in the first movie, you know, they were just cold-blooded. They were smart. They, they were really done well. The second movie, you know, having the little girl do her gymnastics and kick a velociraptor, ridiculous. This third movie, and then in the and then Lost World with Chris Pratt, you see him, like, training velociraptors as if they were dogs. So what, what does this third movie tell you about raptors? Is it, like, the precursor to, like, oh, they're, like, puppy dogs? Or well, my, my raptor hot take is that this, this movie ruined the raptors. The first movie, they go out of their way to be like, they're giant birds. They're as smart as birds. They hunt like birds. They hunt in teams. They do all this. And I was totally on board. The way they behaved, the way they acted, they clearly had some sort of intellect. And the second one, same thing. They were hunting in packs. They had territory. They were smart, but not too smart. You know, just as smart as any other basic animal that you'd see. Like a, you see clips of lions opening car doors at, safari parks you know to try to pull people out and so it's that i didn't mind any of that i know the gymnastics part was stupid but at least the raptors were still normal in the second one in this one they give the raptors mohawks they now have like colorful designs 
down their body so you can tell them apart, but some of them don't have this. They're in a full-on society where we're like learning about it. They're clearly not squawking to each other. Like I can open my backyard and hear birds chirping and I'm assuming they're saying something to each other. But these ones like look at you and are like, and, and it took all self-control for me to not think of the Lego movie. If you've seen the second Lego movie, <laughs> yes. the actors all have subtitles and they're all yes, like, yes. get the warp drive up to speed. It's like, what <laughs> But they're having these full-on, really intellectual raptor conversations. And Dr. Grant is just watching them being like, they're searching for something. And I'm just like, come on, guys. And then they have a taste for revenge. Yes. It, it's just, it goes, for me, the raptors in this are the worst. Because even in um, the newer one with Chris Pratt training them, they go out of their way to be like, they're very bird-like. They imprint on the human. You know, we're trying to tame them. This is the first batch of being tamed. And I'm like, dumb, but also plausible in some sort of suspension of belief to enjoy the movie. This movie, the mohawk, the talking, the fact that the female raptor who wanted her eggs back was like, Taya Leone, you're the only female here. So I know you're the one who I'm going to have to mess with to get my eggs back. I'm I was out on Raptors. I hated the Raptors in, in Chapter 3, out on Raptors. Was it, was, did it start with the dream sequence Dr. Alan Grant had on the plane where the Velociraptor talked to him in English? <laughs> I, you asked for my hot Raptor takes. I have many hot takes on the tone of this film, too. There was, you can tell they combined the three or four scripts, as we talked about, but there were parts in this movie that were legitimately comedic. Or well, so, right. So I guess Alexander Payne and the other writer who wrote a lot of Alexander Payne's movies, uh, they had a script that was actually pretty funny, like comedy, but they took all of it out to make it a serious kind of more intense movie, which I was like, what? <laughs> you messed up. They went there and it turned into like a slapstick cannonball run where just like on a run to get away from these dinosaurs for an hour and a half. But like, funny things would happen because the dinosaurs were dumb i i would be like hey this is funny this is escaping like a disastrous zoo <laughs> that's falling into <laughs> decrepit zoo but yeah they had the dinosaur talk to them they have the the cell phone ringing turned into a comedic thing right which is i guess a throwback to peter pan which spielberg did with the alligator and the alarm clock which you know i get it <laughs> But still, I remember that phone ring back, you know, in 2001. Yeah. And it was like the thing. But I mean, and that's a very Spielbergian moment. And like, oh, yeah, I heard your phone. Like, I don't have my phone. And then you hear it in the distance. And the dinosaur literally is just standing there like, what up, yo? <laughs> yeah, no one heard him come through the trees. He's yes. just standing there in the field staring at him with almost a face of like, oh, I'm glad you guys got re reunited. I was going to give you a moment so you could hug your mom. Now I'm going to come eat you. <laughs> yes. I mean, it almost looked like the dinosaur just got out of the shower and is like soaking wet and like was surprised like by people seeing him. It was just, it's a funny looking shot. <laughs> it's a hilarious shot. That, that shot is hilarious. And the other really funny shot is um, when they're in the aviary the, um, with the pterodactyls. Right. And at the very, the very last moment is... Dr. Grant runs up and is watching Billy float down the river to get away from these pterodactyls. And one pterodactyl lands and turns back over his shoulder, almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator and just stares them down yes. and squints. You know what, you know what that's from? That is a fucking Michael Bay shot of bad boy. Shit just got real. It literally is. Cause this, the camera like pans and it's like the slow motion turn around. Like, Oh shit. <laughs> too much, too much personality and human, human traits put in these dinosaurs in chapter three is my, is my humble opinion that I submit to you. <laughs> they made these dinosaurs too human. I'm not into it at all. That's pretty funny. Because yeah. I, I, I noticed that sequence too. And it reminds me of the Chris Pratt sequel, The Lost World. 
you know, at the end of the movie where the Velociraptor and the T-Rex team up to take out the big dinosaur. And after they defeat it, the T-Rex and the Velociraptor bow to each other and give a head nod and they go their separate ways. And I'm like, no way that just fucking happened. <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm telling on myself here as I just crapped on all the things. I enjoy the hell out of what is Jurassic World when the yes. T-Rex and the raptor team up with each other i'm like yeah, no. i remember sitting in that theater and just clapping my hands together being like let's go this is all i wanted this is like tag team time let's take this guy out he's nothing and um now i just realized that i've completely like made myself <laughs> a hypocrite based on my complaints of how humanistic all these animals are in chapter three but in jurassic world when that happened i was like you know what the enemy of my enemy is my friend moment and i was like Let's go. <laughs> no, that was real. It was really funny. I uh, I loved it. Uh, but yeah, it's there. There's a lot of these moments in Jurassic Park three where dinosaurs might be closer to humans, or at least Doctor Alan Grant is saying so, and that they communicate better. Uh, so it so it all kind of culminates on a a barge in the river with the Spinosaurus and the Spinosaurus, which let's talk about that was they actually built it was the largest animatronic ever built it's like 25 feet tall and it weighed so much and that it was made to do underwater and stuff like that so th that part that aspect is pretty cool about it um but it kind of all culminates in there but if i remember correctly the spinosaurus escapes right yes it is still presumably alive on is it Isla Sorna? Yes, Shoot. yes. Yeah. Not Nubar. Yeah, Isla Sorna. And yes. correct. And so it escapes. The humans escape kind of thing. And then they come across the raptors. And they have a hole. The, the, the raptors surround everybody. And they're like, give them the eggs. Give them the eggs. It's like, it thinks you have the eggs. I'm like, what? Just give them the fucking eggs. What does the raptor know? And I want to point out that these raptors who know they have the eggs and surround them, earlier in this film, these raptors set a trap by having a man on the ground screaming, trying to get people to come and save them so they could get more food, which I was like, okay, some animals do that. Like they'll wound something and then wait and, and get more. Totally cool with it. However, the raptor, once the pl plot is thwarted by the humans realizing what's going on, turns around, looks up at them in the tree, walks back to the guy that they injured who was screaming for help and snaps his neck like he is in commando <laughs> and then like looks up in the tree at them and was like, I just snapped your friend's neck in like smirks and then sprints off into the woods. Yep. <laughs> yep. I did not, that is, there's not one ounce of hyperbole in anything I just said. He snaps the neck and looks back at them and smirks. He's a raptor. <laughs> yeah, the raptor was like, you did this to your friend, not me. <laughs> oh so good but, but yes it ends with them being surrounded by the raptors the raptors chatting it up about getting the, getting the eggs back um Leone is singled out because she's a female and apparently they were trying to point out that presumably uh it was a matriarchal society raptors were they were led by a female kind of like how elephants are and um so she gets her eggs back all is hunky-dory and Dr. Alan Grant has a fossilized throat piece of a trachea, trachea <laughs> of a raptor in his bag, in his little satchel, and he pulls it out and he blows into it, and it confuses the raptors for a minute because they're like, "Where's this sound coming from? Who's talking to us? This is so weird." Despite Alan Grant being less than four feet in front of him, blowing into it, presumably the sound is coming from there. Um, and then helicopters fly over, scare off the raptors, and uh, we're free. We're safe from the island, everybody. Right, and it's not just helicopters. It's the fucking Navy and military that show up in, like, a gigantic war movie documentary. It was like the beginning of Save a Private Ryan. <laughs> yes, it really, it really was. And even the kids like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> Ellie Sattler does not play games. She, she knew that they needed help from him just screaming river into the phone before it went underwater. And she sent the entire army to save them. And 
they did. And then they fly off the island, and there's the, the familiar score plays. And instead of pelicans this time, we get a beautiful shot of pterodactyls flying away from the island. And then we just get directed by John Johnston. Yeah. No. And so two things in the ending. Uh, Dr. Alan Grant's helper friend, Billy, who took the eggs, allegedly died by a crazy attack by dinosaurs but then he just shows up on the fucking helicopter with the military somehow yeah he he floated down the river presumably all the way to shore yeah and and the the thing that we need to talk about him with billy is billy was very adventurous they could i I could see maybe the producers such as kathleen kennedy who in my opinion doesn't have a great track record of not at all sequels was probably thinking to herself well, Sam Neill's old. We need to get a little bit of the younger blood in here. So let's have him as like a right-hand man and have him a little bit more adventurous. You see the beginnings of uh, Chris Pratt's character from the future movies. He's a guy who knows about dinosaurs, is tough, kind of a hunter, um, can parachute, can hang glide, can do all sorts of cool things. And their introduction of him in this, I was really struck with... Um, they were going, they wanted to introduce him as kind of what Chris Pratt became in the future sequels of like, this is who we're handing the franchise off to. It's, it's the only explanation I can think of this guy being in the film because he added nothing. Yeah, no, he, he didn't. It, and he, his character was like, he wasn't engaging and he doesn't, oh. he didn't really know what he was doing. He just had like his one track mindset to stealing the eggs, keeping them. And even when Dr. Alan Grant got his bag, he still tried to get it back. He's like, you want me to hold this? He's like, oh, I'll keep on it for a while. You know, just... also, there was also a hilarious moment where they find the parachute of the guy who died in the beginning. And he's like cleaning it up and rolling it up. And Dr. Grant's like, you think you can still use that? And Billy's like, oh yeah, I can use that. You're already on the ground. Right. I mean, and I know it was to set up the parachuting through the birdcage later on, but just dumb things like that to make him cooler like oh i'm definitely going to need a parachute while my feet are firmly on the ground and we don't have a plane right uh, in this film it was just little things like that but they really wanted him i'm sure on the cutting room floor there's a cut of this movie where he is much more heroic and or does more of the narrative push but they realize he's about as charismatic as a doorknob right and, and really focus back on the what they did with this movie which was just turn it into a chase Right, no, that's what they did. And then the very last shot, as Dan said, the pterodactyls flying through the air in the last line of the movie. Where do you think they're going? Hopefully not Oklahoma. You're just like, and then credits. <laughs> it's hilarious that these dangerous pterodactyls that we just watched attempt to kill numerous people are just flying off the island. Yeah, and then nobody seems to mind because these are very scary vicious creatures as we see in jurassic world in the one of the best death scenes in cinema history pterodactyls taking out a fucking chick for like 10 minutes as they peck her to death through the air they drop people into water to be eaten by bigger things that's how mean they are that was good so jurassic park three okay so (laughs) was there is there a best and a worst scene in this movie uh, I think best scene was the very actually. The, I think the best scene, as much as I hate it earlier, I thought that the choreography and special effects of the T Rex versus Spinosaurus was the best scene. Like I knew where everything was happening. I knew um, obviously who I was rooting for, but you could really tell the action in the different way the two animals fought, and it was really, frankly, it was just cool how they did it. Um, I thought that was the best scene for me. Right. All right. Yeah, no, I like that scene. Um, I really like, I, you know, I really like the phone scene in the dinosaur stomach. It just, it's like early Spielberg and it just makes me laugh because of how silly and stupid it is and how much it doesn't make sense because the movie that, that scene just goes back and forth instantly with like, Oh, we reunited. Oh shit. There's a dinosaur chase scene. Oh, we got through the other side. Everybody's hugging. The music swells and the dinosaur breaks through the fence again. You're like, what? And then they get into what looks like a hut 
and the dinosaur can't get through that after it just broke through like a spiked steel fence. I had that in my notes that I wanted to talk about that. That dinosaur took out the largest hardcore metal with spikes on the top, like a dangerous fence, and then they run inside of a hut and put like two metal bars across the door and the Spinosaurus is like, this is too much work for me. I'm just gonna mosey on along now. <laughs> Don't make no sense. <laughs> no sense. I thought, if we're talking worst scenes, can I just chalk it up to all banter between William H. Macy and Tay Leone? Oh yeah, their dialogue was just horrible because I guess they were divorced, but they're after their kid. And, you know, William H. Macy is goddamn amazing. And he's great. yeah, he's so good. And in this movie, he's, you know, I get it. He just wants to find his son, but oh man, he's, there's no character there really. <laughs> well, that's other than Dr. Grant, who we knew from the first movie, there are no characters in this film. There are just vessels for which dialogue spills out as dinosaur chases. There's, yeah, right. no, there's no characterization of anybody. There's no reason to be interested in anyone other than Alan Grant. The whole right. movie. And that's a flaw. <laughs> and it's crazy as you think about it. And you're like, dude, this guy, Dr. Alan Grant said like, no, I'm not going back. And they kidnap him. They punch him out on the plane and he wakes up on like, it's like a thing. So like, and then by the end, everybody's fine because they escape. But you got to think like, you know, coming from somebody who does law, <laughs> like, do you think he's suing everybody? Oh, yeah. But even though they don't have money. Maybe that's how he gets into the new one. Yeah. Right. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Well, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Is there any funny dialogue that you thought in the movie? Uh, funny on purpose uh, <laughs> I, I, whenever Dr. Grant realizes that he the raptors when he realizes that Billy stole the eggs and he's going to throw the eggs out the window so the raptors can come get their eggs and leave them alone and he stops and for some reason he thinks and he's like they already know we have the eggs so they're coming for them anyway what if they come for them and realize we don't have them what do you think they'll do to us then? And I just want to be, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do because you guys have turned them into humans. At this point, <laughs> they are legitimately like humans. So I don't know, Dr. Grant. You tell me. Oh, it's true. That, that exchange made me laugh. Uh, but, the, the other exchanges that made me laugh, a funny dialogue is with the people they hired to take them to the island and they're on the phone with the guy and they're like, yeah, we've got a top notch, you know, professional crew. And then when they get to the Island, the guy they're talking about, Oh yeah, this is not uh Nublar. This is the other Island. And the guy's like, there's dinosaurs on the other, there's two islands with dinosaurs. And then there's like a shut the fuck up Donnie moment where there's yeah. like, no, just be quiet. <laughs> going, going back to bad scenes real quick. They, these mercenaries who we were supposed to think were good at their jobs, the fact that they were painting a mean face on a plane and just shooting it with a gun to like introduce them, but they never spoke. It was just like, here's a group of guys all clad in black with a big old gun and they're just shooting a plane that they painted a mean dinosaur face on. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, these guys definitely know what they were doing. And the mercenaries are the first ones to like instantly die. <laughs> it was. Oh, it was a mess. But yeah, the dialogue, I would say, in this entire film, start to finish, is poor because, as we said from the start, they decided to make this a chase movie. And the chase yeah. movie does not need dialogue other than run. Ah! <laughs> That's all they need. There wasn't, yeah, there were no characters. So they were just vessels. It's just so crazy, crazy. Um, what about uh, any other, any behind the scenes info that you want to talk about and discuss? Other than what we talked about, that there are four scripts. One of the scripts, actually, the only reason why we have the birdcage scene with the pterodactyls, the only reason we have that scene, and the only reason we have the scene in the laboratory where the raptors are um, chasing them in the lab and they trap that one raptor behind the gate. The only reason that those two scenes are in the movie is because they were in a previous script 
and they spent, I want to say, at least $15 million or something scouting and creating those locations before Joe Johnston and Spielberg and Alexander Payne and them scrapped that script to do the one that they ended up shooting. So the only reason those two moments are in that film are because they spent so much money prepping those two scenes. And, and to, my, to my knowledge, I'm sure it happens on lots of movies, but what a way to shoot a film. <laughs> it seems like, were you, give me at least, you're, you're Steven Spielberg and you're Universal and you're Kathleen Kennedy and give me, give me a B minus effort. Yeah, no, for sure. So it's crazy. Than- and I guess another one of the ideas, wasn't it, uh, to have like a group of teenagers stranded on the island? And I guess through an interview, Joe Johnson said something like, it was like a horrible friend script. <laughs> yes. Well, apparently there was a script that was a group of teens that run out of gas boating or something dumb like that, but they get stuck on this island. They're trying to camp and obviously get chased by dinosaurs but it was apparently very teen and quippy yep. uh, comedic to the point where they were trying to start a franchise with like, here's these cool kids. And they were all trapped on this Island, almost like captain planet, but funny on an Island with dinosaurs was what they were going for from everything I've read, which to be honest with you, you can do one-offs with the Island. Yeah. If you really want to I'll no, say, like for sure. said, dinosaurs chasing teens. I'll watch any movie where some guy in a mask is chasing him with a machete. I'll watch yeah. raptors chase him around an island. No problem. No, that's not, that. It's a good idea. Yeah. It is. So, and so, yeah, there, I, we can't stress enough to you lovely listeners out there, how many versions of the script and how many of the actors just didn't want to do this because the script was constantly changing during the production and the story. Even uh, Joe Johnson wanted to quit a bunch of times during the movie because people like Kathleen Kennedy and uh, the studio were like, no, let's do something else. You know, it doesn't seem, it seemed like a very studio tentpole film. And like Dan said, and I totally agree with Kathleen Kennedy, just doesn't know what she's doing really um if if she's working with spielberg who has complete control i think it's a good thing but if it's kathleen kennedy without him horrible so she she definitely has a track record from star wars and obviously jurassic park 3 and a lot of these big budget tentpoles where it seems like rather than trust putting really creative voices in the right position to succeed she tends to meddle a lot thinking what she would think is great. And it wasn't until, I mean, that's why star Wars is doing good. She gave it to John Favreau. Yeah. Like if she didn't do that, I don't know what would happen. She gave uh, the whole Jurassic series. I know she's a producer on it, but I'm pretty sure she handed it over back to Amblin with Spielberg Mm -hmm. has pretty much the, I mean, obviously Spielberg's not directing it, but they gave it to that crew and were like, you guys do your own thing. So that part's good. So also awards wise, um, Jurassic Park 3 had, was nominated for a few awards, mostly for its trailer, but two awards being the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards and the Raspberry Awards, which is like the worst movies of the year. <laughs> so it w- didn't win any of them, but it was certainly nominated for worst sequels. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. It, was, it deserved it. It was a bad sequel. And... I'm seeing here that at the BMI Film Awards, it won Best Music. Which actually, the music was pretty good. Like Don Davis's uh, interpretation of John Williams' score is actually pretty cool. So here's, here's a super nerdy music complaint about the movie. There's a scene where they're floating down a river and they see all the beautiful like vegetarian dinosaurs. Oh yeah, the bri- it was right before the attack with the, the source and you hear the original music kind the of. The original theme's playing and it's, I mean, that's such an iconic theme. It gives you goosebumps. You go back to the original movie. Even The Lost World had a beautiful moment with that music being used. And Don Davis, I don't understand music, sped it up. So it wasn't like slow and like beautiful. It was like, dun, 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 dun. It was like they were trying to rush through 
the theme, just like they were trying to rush through this chase of a movie. And I was like, no, this is such a beautiful moment. Look at that. It's so pretty. You just answered your question, like, or not your question, your yeah. statement. Like it was a fast paced, just quick movie. And there's like, you know, coming off of the matrix, I mean, having that fast paced tempo, because if they slowed that movie down, it might've even to slow that music down, it might've given you a chance to kind of breathe, which it didn't seem that movie wanted you to do at all. So it just kept you wanting like, so just, you know, increase the tempo like a step up and you still feel the suspense. Okay, well you win for giving me the technical reasons on why that was a choice that was probably smart for this film. But <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and give you the classic way to win any argument. Yeah, but still, I didn't like it. <laughs> Wonderful check and mate. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, Jurassic Park three. What else can we say about Jurassic Park three? I I didn't know. Is there any, any is there any political social commentary? No, I think it was a bummer that they made Laura Dern, who was a really cool character in the first movie and knew her stuff. They made her a stay-at-home mom who just answers the phone and picks up toys around her house. I mean, that was a little disappointing. And I know that she's in um, Jurassic World Dominion, which is the third sequel of the new reboot trilogy. I know that she's in that. So obviously she's going to get pulled back into dinosaur world. But I, I liked seeing her. It was disappointing from a character growth. I don't think that's a political or societal thing, but it was just de definitely disappointing that the one cool female character was relegated to be a stay-at-home mom and then we have Tay Leone who just does nothing and screams it was disappointing right uh, that bringing back to where they run into uh the stepdad and he's like eaten and with a skeleton she gets wrapped up in, and she's just screaming and then she like screams and like runs off into the forest screaming which yeah. is and then Alan's like William H. Macy just go get her yeah. And I think, and I think that was another another part when you're talking about political. In the first Jurassic Park, they had all sorts of debates about um, the morality, the theme park, the conservation aspect, the education aspect. Even in the Lost World, they were like, "This is a safari park. This is the second park. They were going to live kind of free and roam and be used." And so there was that part of the conservation. Should we hold this island as a national park? You come up to Jurassic World, and there's congressional hearings about these animals that we brought back to life and what to do with them and should it be a theme park at all and even in the the second what was it fallen kingdom jurassic world there's more hearings and it's like do we owe these animals to rescue them from them being extinct again and in this film it was just like run yeah like that was a political commentary they, they didn't do anything and it was at the end of the day i think you and i I think you probably agree with this. Our disappointment with the movie is that it strays so far from the other four that have come out, that this is just a straightforward chase movie, but at the same time, it still tried to pretend that it was more than that, which is a little bit offensive in a sense. <laughs> no, yeah, it was, it, it, I really firmly believe that this movie is highly enjoyable if you go into it looking to watch like a 1950s B schlocky movie like The Blob. Uh, because it's it's just like that, but with a bigger budget. Absolutely. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just as be, short. <laughs> yeah, those would be my final thoughts and recommendations on it. This is a chase movie. It has dinosaurs in it. If you want to waste 90 minutes and watch dinosaurs chase people for 90 minutes, you're not going to have to worry about the characters. You're not going to have to worry about any plot. There's going to be some laughs along the way, whether they're earned, deserved, or you're laughing at it. Um, it's a fun 90 minutes, just like we talked about Speed last time. I think what we're finding as we do this, and I didn't expect this, is some of these movies that got really panned, I end up enjoying them once I recognize they are what they are. And right. so if you go into Jurassic Park 3 expecting anything more than to see dinosaurs chase human beings, you're already going in with too high of expectations, buddy. Lower them down. Enjoy it. Watch it for what it is. It's on Netflix. So what do you have? What do you, why would you say no? Right, right. You know, it's 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 part of cinematic history. It's part of a big franchise of movies, and they're they're still fun to be had with it, with all of its flaws. And that's what makes Jurassic Park three a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah it's it'll be interesting to like you know they're making these reboots and stuff like that but i wonder if they'll ever kind of remake or even in this dominion movie if they'll bring back the spinosaurus at any point in time maybe not because it's kind of like maybe the jar jar binks of the jurassic world family nobody wants to see the spinosaurus you know again but like you know, I'd, I'd see the Spinosaurus again, that fucker's still running around. The most realistic thing they could do with these movies and the Spinosaurus going forward, if they really want to get like political and societal commentary on them is have some of these places turn into a hunting ground. You know, have, have rich people hunting the dinosaurs. I know that's kind of partially what they touched on in The Lost World, but you're telling me right now if this island existed, there wouldn't be billionaires who were taking helicopters over with like elephant rifles and shooting at brontosauruses from the sky to mount on their, their walls. I mean, I don't know where they're going in the future, but Jurassic World has none of that. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about it being in this film, but in the future films, it might. They might go back to the conservation and the, uh, and the wildlife part of the, the discussion that's in every movie except for this one. Right. Yeah. This, this, this movie, cause like Dan says, there's this social injustice and political aspect of the very wealthy, you know, trying to place a safe haven for these dinosaurs. And then others are trying to sell them on the black market for pets or shooting or whatnot, or for their yeah. own, you know, financial endeavor. But this one stands out. This is legit a B movie with no real message to it other than don't be stupid. Yeah, run from dinosaurs. And if this is what they want to do, if they want to turn, if they want to have a mainline franchise of Jurassic Park movies that come out every two, three years, and then once every five years, they have like, these kids are trapped on this island. This guy went hunting on this island. This guy actually purchased a bunch of raptors on the black market in. Des Moines, Iowa, and they broke out. Like, I'm here for it. If you want to turn this into like, you know how Blumhouse like does little spinoffs where they're just smaller budget, hyper focused yeah. movies with dinosaurs from the Jurassic World universe or the Jurassic Park universe, I'm in. I'm game. No, I no, I'm game. And so I'm gonna make a a correlation and a comparison to a movie that most people hated, but it was in my top ten of the year. Uh, the most recent Predator movie, The Predator uh, movie, which I actually loved that film because it showed these highly technological advanced race, which we've only seen in a big city or in a jungle or on another planet, and right. put them in Middletown suburbia in such a realistic setting with normal people basically. And I think if they do that with like, let's say like just a group of raptors or a T-Rex in like a kind of like contained little small budget-ish type of thing, I think that could tell a hell of a story. I also think it would be really successful. And maybe that's something that they're gonna look to do with some of these streaming services. I mean, maybe as Universal on Peacock or whatever. What if they threw, throw 60, five million dollars at a six episode arc where you get a not, not a huge star but someone who's recognizable and be in it to be like hey guess what those dinosaurs that got out at the end of jurassic world fallen kingdom a couple of them bred migrated and came through my town and it's just like a quick six episode essentially like a quiet place type thing like maybe this guy owns a bunch of farmland maybe someone's up hunting in uh Yosemite or something, you know, like a national park. And it's like, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't a bear. <laughs> this is a dinosaur. For sure. For sure. I think that could be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see something like that. Uh, but like you said, again, it's probably never going to happen because it's all big budget explosions, nuclear bombs, volcano exploding, killing all the dinosaurs. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And uh, so Jurassic Park 3 holds a special place in our hearts. Again, you can buy the 4K, the Blu-ray as part of a set, or you could watch it on the streaming services, right? Yeah, I think it's on, I know for sure it's on Peacock and Netflix. So there you go. Yeah, watch it. Spend your time. It's 90 minutes and it's a fun chase movie. Watch it. Watch it for, for William H. Macy <laughs> and Sam Neill. William H. Macy, the most, the best roles they've ever been in. <laughs> 
Yes, for sure. Not not really, but yes, they're they're great. <laughs> uh, and that is our uh, that's our episode, our second episode of Fear and Loathing in Cinema. We'll be back next time, and I think we have announced it: Aliens Four for Alien our third four. episode. <laughs> Aliens Four, let's do it. Uh, going to be great. We'll be coming back with you with a new episode very soon. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher Radio. And Dan, where can everybody find you online? Instagram and listen to this podcast everywhere it is. I'll be throwing it out there. Come listen to us. It's fun. Yes, yes, indeed. We'll see you next time, folks.